Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, welcome to the show. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and thank you for joining me today. I always appreciate you listeners, and I love it when you give me feedback. And always make sure that you can contact me through the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. If any questions, comments, or if you have a topic that you'd really like me to talk on, I love to do that for you. So we are this la- this is our last day with me talking about addictions because tomorrow we're going to have a guest that is going to be ex- uh, help- introducing us to uh, a new what we call an IOP or an intensive outpatient program strictly uh, based for Christians. And so it's very Christian based, which I'm really excited about having Greg here tomorrow. So as we talked about this whole idea of addictions, and we really, really focused a lot on not judging the addict, that nobody wants to be an addict, nobody wants an addiction, and and understanding that there are lots of different things that create and cause addictions. We have trauma, we have chronic pain, genetics, severe injury, any of the co-occurring um, d- underlying disorders that may lead to the need to alter the person's experience, such as anxiety disorders, depression, post-traumatic stress disorder. We also know that there's a, there can sometimes be a lack of coping skills and the ability to really um, manage the psychology or the emotional realm of the person, and that it is a brain disease. So we know that it has to do with the dopamine receptor sites, and people that struggle with addictions or are more prone to them have a diffi- have more of a difficult time with a lower level of dopamine, and they also many times have a difficult time really enjoying life without it being altered. And so there's a tendency for more high-risk taking behavior because they're needing to get their brain excited or, or to feel like it turns on or to feel like they're feeling something. So there are many things that, that contribute to why we would have an addiction. But again, we do not want to judge. And when we think about this idea of addictions, and really the strictest sense of the word is that there must be a substance or an agent. So we are talking more about drug and alcohol abuse, and I'm not using as much of the time to talk about the compulsive disorders that we also see as an, as an addiction because it alters the brain and the way the brain operates. And, and those compulsive disorders are things like eating disorders, any of the food uh, addictions, sex addictions, gambling, shopping, workaholism, and, and we're not going to talk so much about that, but we are going to understand that those are treated the same in many ways as we treat drug and alcohol addictions. So how do you overcome an addiction? How do we do that? Let's talk about that a little bit today. So what is your addiction? So whether you're dealing with an addiction to alcohol, tobacco, sex, drugs, lying, gambling, the first thing is admitting you have a problem. And this is always the first step to overcoming it. And one of the greatest programs we have 
is the 12-step program. And what a phenomenal uh, just development that is and was and how God really revealed that process and, and how the 12-step program became. It is extremely helpful for anything, and it's, it's an extremely helpful uh, way of life, whether you have an addiction or not. So the first step is always the admission part of saying, I want to be in denial about this. I want to pretend like I'm handling it. I want to pretend like I don't have it, and it's inhibiting my life, and I'm lying. I'm denying. I'm hiding. I feel terrible about myself. My health is changing. My finances are changing. My work habits are changing. My relationships are changing. These, these are the things that we want to say to ourselves. I need to stop being in denial. And the first step is part of the hardest part. It's not easy. After we admit, after we take that responsibility, after we say, I can't be in denial any longer, then we make a plan for quitting. We seek help and we prepare ourselves for the obstacles that we're going to absolutely have to encounter. And we're going to want to learn how to kick that habit and start living life to the fullest again. So if someone you love suffers from addiction, then you're going to need some advice as well. And one of the things you can uh, really, there's so much help out there when it comes to supporting someone that struggles with an addiction and when it comes to anyone that has one. So the first step, right, we decide to quit. So it helps if you write down the harmful effects of your addiction, if you tally up how much money it's costing you. So it might not feel too good to acknowledge all the ways in which the addiction is harming you. But seeing the list on paper helps you resolve to stop as soon as possible. So you take out a pen, a piece of paper, brainstorm a list that includes all the negative effects you've experienced since the addiction started. This is part of what we would call a fearless moral inventory in, in many ways. And this is where we really as Christians can ask for help from God. And we can simply say to God, I need to quit. I need to stop. I don't want to. I need the want to want to. I need you to help me with the want to. I don't want to bottom out completely, right? So you think about how the addiction has affected your physical health. Are you at a greater risk for getting cancer, heart disease, liver disease? And, and really identify what the addiction has done to you physically. Aging you, right? Harmful to your teeth, your bones, your heart, your liver, lungs if you're smoking. If it's a sex addiction, you're putting yourself at risk for very serious diseases. If it's drinking and you're driving, that can really ruin someone's life. So list the ways in which it has hurt you mentally. Are you embarrassed about the addiction? In many cases, addictions lead to lots of shame and embarrassment. We do things that are, we really regret that we do, and it's embarrassing. And it also can create depression and anxiety. So it can either be the precursor to the addiction, which would be a psychiatric diagnosis that we want to identify that, that maybe the addiction is trying to manage. If it's not that, then you may get a psychiatric condition because of the depression. 
So how has the addiction affected your relationships with other people? Is it preventing you from spending time with people you love? Don't have enough time to pursue relationships? Don't trust yourself in the pursuit of relationships or managing a relationship? Are you having to apologize a lot? Is your work suffering? So then you take an inventory of the financial toll. How much money are you spending on the addiction every day, every week, every month? What's the cost? What's the financial cost? Are you getting sicker? Are you going to the doctor more often? Are you missing days at work? So think about what daily annoyances are caused by your addiction. For example, if you're a smoker, Maybe you're tired of having to leave the the office every time you light up. If you're drinking too much, maybe you're worried that it's starting to show or that you're not sure how impaired you are. If it's any of the narcotics, you know the altered feeling that you get with that and the amount of money and time to manage a narcotic. Heroin, any of the street drugs, cocaine, these things are highly expensive, very dangerous, and difficult to get without putting yourself in danger to purchase them. So let's think number two. After we've done that whole entire inventory of all the detrimental things, we're going to make a list of positive changes you want in your life. Now that you've detailed all the negative effects, think about how much your life will improve once you've kicked the habit. Create a picture of your post-addiction life. How do you want it to look? What do you have to look forward to? Think of all the money you're going to save and where you could spend that. Think of the the lack of embarrassment or covering or lying, hiding. So maybe you'll feel a sense of freedom that you haven't had in years. You have more time to spend with people, hobbies, any other pleasures that, that are healthier. You can start actually saving money. And you're knowing that you're doing everything you can to stay healthy. You will feel immediate physical improvements, even if you're detoxing. You're going to also feel very proud and confident again because addictions take a toll on our self-esteem and our self-worth, our feelings of self-worth. They're, they're shameful. They're embarrassing. Then I want you to do this. I want you to write down your quitting commitment. So having a list of solid reasons to quit will help you stick to your plan in the long run. So the reasons for quitting must be more important to you than continuing your addictive behavior. This mental hurdle is tough because there's so much bargaining that goes on in in, uh, addictions. But it's a necessary first step to quitting any addiction. No one can make you quit but yourself. So you write down the true solid reasons you're stopping the habit. Because only you know what they are. And here are a few examples. Decide you're quitting because you want to have the energy to live life to the the fullest again. You're tired of feeling so run down and sick and, and gross and yucky. Tired of trying to hide the physical effects of the addiction. Decide you're quitting because you're running out of money to support the habit. That's a great reason to quit, the, toll, the financial toll. Decide you're quitting because you want to be a better partner, a better parent, a better friend, a better employee. Decide you're quitting because you're determined to meet 
your grandchildren one day. You don't want to die prematurely. Because dying from addictions are very ugly deaths. And, and the, the toll it takes on the people that love you is huge. If you succumb to an addiction, it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy. So then what we do, after we've really done this whole inventory and figured out all the reasons for quitting, all the things that are going to come, the life that we're going to have without the addiction, then we really make a plan. So you set the date to quit. I wouldn't do it tomorrow. I wouldn't say tomorrow is the day. Unless you're pretty sure that quitting cold turkey is going to work for you and that it's not going to put you in physical jeopardy. Because that's very important. Part of the assessing of when you're going to quit, how you're going to do it, has to do with how long you've been doing the addiction and how dependent your body is on the behavior. So I don't want you to set it for a month away because you might lose your resolve by then. And tragedy could occur within a month. So make sure you aim for the date the next couple of weeks. Maybe give it, you know, you're going to start on Saturday. A week from, you know, if this is Monday, then you're going to start Saturday. And this, this gives you enough time to really become mentally and physically prepared. This is where you want to tell someone the date that you're going to do it and that you ask them to pray for you every day before that day. And you pray every day before that day. And you say, God, help me do that day. That's the day I'm committing to. And Lord, I need you to help me with this plan and the resolve so that I begin to look forward to that day. That's my day of freedom. That's going to be a good day. So you can pick a date that's meaningful to you, like your birthday, Father's Day, somebody's graduation, uh, what, what, Easter. You could do whatever is significant for you. And then you mark the day on your calendar and you announce it, like I said, to the people that are close to you. So you build it up so that you won't likely back down when the day arrives. You make that firm commitment to yourself that you're going to quit by that date. One of the things that can also help is, uh, I'm sure that you've heard of sober companions. If you feel comfortable doing that, that's also helpful for the first week that you have quit. If you just say, I need somebody with me all the time. I need them to drive me to work. I need them to pick me up. I need them to go to the grocery store with me. I need them to sit with me while I'm watching television. I need to not be alone. That's what we do in treatment centers. That's one of the reasons that people manage that detoxing process. And so you can absolutely ask for a friend or family member to help you do that. If they're willing. But you have to be committed. You have to be committed. So you also seek personal and professional support. It might, you might not think you need it now. But what you need is to really have a better understanding of the addiction. How did I get there? How did I stay there? What's going on with me? What are the tributaries? What are, what are the things that are feeding into that need to alter my experience? And you need all the support you can get during this journey while you're overcoming this. Because battling addictions and, uh, is one of the hardest things that a person can do. One of the most difficult things. 
So you want to make sure, because there's wonderful institutions, there's wonderful therapists out there. You can also uh, contact me on the website. I can give you some referrals. There's great resources, A-A-N-A-S-A-G-A, all these. If you can't afford treatment, I really recommend you take advantage of 12-step programs. They are extremely helpful. So you research, you know, if there are, there's online support groups that help with this as well, and these resources are free. Make an appointment with a, with a therapist if you can afford that, and that's very, very important. And you want to rely on that person. This is, this is, is the person that can help you maneuver through creating a life without the addiction. And I would really recommend that that therapist also understands cognitive behavioral therapy. That's one of the most powerful things that we know for addictions. And then you really do take advantage of your loved ones and your friends and let them know how much it means to you. And if you're addicted to that substance and they are able to use it, please ask them not to use it in front of you. Not at least for the first six months. Then you want to identify the triggers. Everyone has a certain set of triggers that make them automatically want to indulge in those habits. For example, if it's alcohol, it may be difficult to attend certain restaurants without feeling that strong urge to drink. It may, and really identify what those triggers are. And some of the triggers can be a place, a person, a song, a time of day. A trigger can be someone being upset with you or angry with you. It could be part of the triggers could be not managing negative feelings or being able to tolerate negative feelings. So you want to make sure that you understand what's going to cause you to relapse because the relapse can occur very quickly. You can feel really, really strong, really solid, and in, in 10 seconds, you can be right back in it and go, how did I do that? And so it's very important that you really set yourself up for, for uh, success. So understand how strong the trigger of stress is on you. And then number four, we're going to start ramping down the addictive habit. So, in, you know, if you can't quit immediately, then you start by decreasing your use. But you have to have someone that's helping you do that so that they're monitoring it so that you don't go back into denial. And this is part of indulging less, less frequently. Now, this is if, we, if you're not doing it cold turkey. And if you're not going to do it cold turkey and you're going, to, you're going to really do it gradually, then you really need to have some support while you do that so that you make sure you actually do quit. Then you get your environment ready. So you remove all the reminders of addiction from your home, your car, your workplace. Get rid of any objects that go along with it. Any items that remind you of the habit. And consider replacing objects with items that you feel really positive and that cause you calm. Because one of the most difficult things for people that struggle with addictive or compulsive issues is the inability to find calm. To really know how to relax. To not have to be distracted all the time. So fill the refrigerator with wholesome food. Make sure you get good books, DVDs that, that really help keep you in the space of being committed to quitting. You might want to try redecorating 
your bedroom, your office, whatever it is to change the environment so it feels new. And how do we handle withdrawals? So when the big day arrives, you keep your promise to quit, and those first few days are going to be hard. So you want to keep busy, you want to stay positive. And you want to fill your time. So if you need some distractions, we want healthy distractions. Exercising, taking up a new hobby, cooking, hanging out with friends, join a new club, sports team, any kind of community group. Because positive social interactions really stimulate the release of neurochemicals, which elicit the feelings of happiness and satisfaction without the need for drugs. So we want to really practice good attachments with people. Go watch funny movies, anything that causes there to be some endorphin release. Exercise releases endorphin chemicals, like the ones that, that are released in addictions. And this is why we hear about like a runner's high. So exercise can really open a lot more windows for a new and improved healthy life and lessen the blow of withdrawal. Things like go camping. The first week, if you can take a vacation, go camping somewhere that you can't even get near any, any stores. And experience the world. Experience what it is to be in nature. Hike. So keep clear of the triggers. If it's people, if it's places, if it's things, stay away from it. And don't give in to rationalizations. Because the physical and the mental pain of addiction withdrawal is real. And you're going to start telling yourself it's okay to do the habit again, just a little bit. Don't listen to the voice. That's the addiction talking. And the addiction does not want to die. So every bit of pain is worth it. So some common ra rationalizations include like, hey, you know, I, I think I can pull it off now. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to do it better this time. I'm an adult. I'm allowed to do whatever I want to do. So you go back to all the reasons for the quitting. And don't let a relapse be the end of your journey. Everyone slips up from time to time. Get right back on the horse. If you relapse one day, tell someone, say, I got to start over and I'm going to do this. So I had seven good days. I had one bad day. That one bad day does not mean the seven good ones didn't count. And you celebrate your accomplishments. So do something nice for yourself. When you meet the goals you've made, no matter how small they are, do something nice. Kicking an addiction is incredibly tough, and you deserve to be rewarded. So make sure you join me tomorrow, and we're going to really talk with this addiction expert about the program that he has started. And I really want to encourage you, if you are struggling with an addiction, that God has something better for you and that the enemy of your soul wants to destroy you. But there are ways to overcome. I do not want you to succumb to shame. I want you to recognize that nobody asks for an addiction and anyone that is willing to overcome is a hero. So thank you for joining me today. Make sure you check out the website. You can listen to the show in its entirety and all the shows that we've done. Join me tomorrow. Take advantage of the social media. God bless you in your day. And thank you again so much for joining me. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. 
and I will talk to you tomorrow. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Conversations with Cynthia is heard daily at 3 p.m. and 12 noon every Sunday on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember... Be your own best version. Yeah.